You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we'll be joined by the NFL Senior Vice President of Events, Peter O'Reilly, Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly, and Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former Jaguars quarterback David Garrard. Did you see enough from Blake Bortles in the win over the Steelers? No turnovers. He didn't take a sack to have full confidence in him this Sunday on the road in New England. You know, I I saw a lot from him in the uh, Steelers win. I saw more than I anticipated. You know, um, I tell you what I saw that really surprised me and really gave me uh, even more confidence than I had was as the Steelers were making their comeback, as the game was getting tight, it was getting close, they were within striking distance, they would go down and score. Blake would lead them on a scoring drive that would continue to put the Steelers kind of at arm's length, and then they made another score, and then the Jags went down and scored again. And so it it showed me one phase of his game is, is improving, that um, – when he is getting in crunch time, he can make some plays to at least help us keep the lead. I'm still looking for that situation when he gets in when we're behind and he needs to make throws to get us down to uh, have us come back and win a ball game. Now, he hasn't had to do that yet, and hopefully this weekend he doesn't have to do it either. But that's still something that's kind of where the jury is still out for him. When you think about – you know, things being contagious on football teams. It, it, it evolves around winning and losing. You guys have been able to win, but it's, it's the Tom Coughlin effect. Um, think about what he's done to this team in a sense of how he drafted with their first pick with Leonard Fournette. Uh, think about bringing in, being able to bring in Calais Campbell. Uh, give me your take on what he's done for this organization, even though he's not on the football field. But yeah. give, me the, the, give me the understanding of what he's done as far as his inspiration and things that he's uh, been able to give to this football team to help them move forward and, and win the way they are. You know what, Cordell, you're right on. It definitely has been the Tom Coughlin effect. But it's not just Tom Coughlin. It's also Doug Marone. And basically what they've done is they've changed the mindset on this team. The team before under uh, Gus Bradley did not have that mindset. It was everybody's friends, everybody's cool. Let's just go out here and do our best. And, you know, that's all we can really ask of each other. Where Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone have come in and said, we don't want just your best. We want everything you've got. And, and, but we also want you to have this mindset of if you're not getting it done, then you're not going to be on the field. If you're not putting everything that you have into film room and all, and all those different things, you're not going to play. And so, uh, and that really meant a lot and should have meant a lot to Blake Bortles because I believe under the last regime, he was allowed to do whatever he wanted on the field, and there were no repercussions from it. I mean, he would play in some games where I'm like, why is this dude still out here? He needs to at least be pulled just because he's playing so bad, but they would continue to put him out there. And then after those games, the coaches would say, oh, you know what, he's our guy, he, it's not his fault, it was a bunch of other things. If you really go back and look at film, he played, you know, well. And I'm like, no, no, we all clearly saw what happened out there. So now there's accountability. The mindset now has changed where you're going to be held accountable for what you've done. And Blake knows that now, and they've really – kept him to that and I think that's what's kept him uh getting better as the year has gone on Tom Coughlin I know I was drafted by him he is not going to put up with anything and that even includes in the film room and meetings and at practice if you're lacking those things throughout your career and throughout the year it's going to show up on the field in uh, poor play and so with that accountability now being held to Blake Bortles, he is showing up and doing the right things week in and week out, and it's showing in the game. 
East Court, El Stone, I'm Brian Weber again. You set for the AFC Championship a game with our good friend David Garrard, the former Jacksonville quarterback. David, this requires a degree of informed speculation, but it's also derived from your personal experience. Cordell and I were just talking about the report from Boston. Tom Brady apparently received four stitches around one of his knuckles. If that happened to you midweek, how big of a concern would it be on game day? Well, I can tell you I've had um, something very similar to that. I don't know if it's just the skin. I, I guess I probably wouldn't be too concerned if it's on the outer portion of the hand if it's on the inside grip area now i i would be i would really be concerned just because that affects my ability to grip the ball i uh, in 2010 i was throwing a pass against the colts and hit dwight freeney's hand as he was trying to deflect the ball it it actually um, broke a piece of the bone off of my middle finger, and the ligament actually was not attached anymore on my middle finger. But mm. I continued to play in the game, and then I gave it my best, went out the very next week, and tried to do the same. But I basically couldn't bend my middle finger on my throwing hand. And so it was almost impossible. I was throwing some of the ugliest passes in that next game and actually had to be pulled out of the game just because I was uh, I was playing at a level that wasn't a professional level and coaches everybody could see it so I'm just if he's had something as serious as that it's on the back side of the hand that's something he can deal with put the gloves on he'll be fine but if it's in the grip area as a quarterback midweek that's something that I would uh, be very, very concerned about. David, get on a football team that has a defense like this one and just put yourself on the team as a quarterback uh, where you basically can go into this game saying basically, you know what, your defense alone is going to spot you maybe anywhere from three to maybe six points because of field position, because of turnovers, or even taking it back to the house. So let's just play a conservative six points. How much confidence you would have going into the game knowing that you're the quarterback on this football team, knowing that you don't have to do much, but other than not just screwing it up, let's say that. Yeah, so if you're talking about what Blake Bortles uh, is about to go through, yeah, I, I would say he should be somewhat comfortable with this situation in that scenario, but you know the game is not going to play itself out like that. He is going to have to produce. He is going to have to uh, make throws. I've been in games before. Uh, once again, we were playing the Colts, and their best thing, of course, on defense was Dwight Freeney and, and Robert Mathis. So you try to drop back 40 times, they're going to hit you probably 20 of those 40 times, so, but they could not stop the run. So uh, we came into the week with the game plan. Uh, we're just going to drive the ball down their throat. We're going to run Maurice Jones, Drew, Adam the whole time and do our best to try to limit the amount of passes we had. But when you get to third and ten, or you get to third and eight, you can't just hand the ball off. You still got to make those throws to be able to keep the chains moving. And so I just say that by saying I was in a game where I didn't throw the ball a ton of times, but just about every third down, I had to throw on those downs. And we completed quite a few of them, but you still have to be able to do it. And so Blake is going to be uh, called upon uh, plenty of times in this game to show his worth. And the way he's been playing lately, I, I feel like he's up to it. Hopefully the game doesn't become too big for him. The stage doesn't become too big for him. Hopefully the defense is able to slow that Patriots offense down a little bit. Maybe Tom is affected by his hand and and is not as accurate as he normally is. All those things kind of help play into our situation to give us, honestly, the best chance to win. David Garrard is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. David, we know Jacksonville has a tremendous defense. How do you think they're going to try to defend Rob Gronkowski, who over the years has been almost matchup proof? But if I'm thinking about a couple players within a team concept, Eric Berry of the Chiefs, Cam Chancellor of the Seahawks have played well against Gronkowski. Yeah, you know, I've been listening to all the, uh, all the reporters and uh, the people nationally talking about it. You know, it's he's just he's really tough to match up against because he's got the size, 
the strength. He's got the speed and the agility to work against smaller guys and still be able to get himself because he's just a big body. Even when you're right there on him, Tom can put the ball in places that somebody that even a six-foot tall guy, like, so I'm thinking a Jalen Ramsey guy on him, Tom can still put the ball high enough in places far enough away from the defender that only uh, Rob is going to get to, that only Gronk is going to get to. And so he's, he's a real matchup problem. But I think you got to be physical with him to start out the game. And I don't mean like you're pushing him around. I just mean get your hands on him, slow him down a little bit so he's not coming out of his breaks, you know, wide open just super fast. And um, disrupt him that way. Yes, it helps if you have a guy that has size that has the uh, lateral movability that Gronk has. But those people, I don't, there's not very many. You said Cam Chancellor. He might be one of those guys, even the Eric Berry type guys. Those guys are physical type guys. I'm not sure how physical Jalen is on a guy of that size. You know, he can be physical against another receiver that, you know, is around his uh, size frame. But when you have somebody like Gronk that, is also going to be a part of the run game, too. Like, what do you do when he's lined up in the tight end position? Is Jalen still going to be there? Well, now Gronk is coming off and hitting a DB in the run game. So he's a real matchup problem. But if just Gronk is getting off and you're able to limit everybody else, I feel like that's our best uh, way to win. You know, Gronk is going to have, you know, a touchdown, maybe um, – maybe – Eight catches, I mean, that's a lot of catches, but that's just him working. If he's doing that and you have Lewis doing what he's going to do and you have um, Amendola making catches too, you know, and you have all these other guys that are also getting into the offense and making plays and they're scoring as well, that just makes it harder for our offense because now our offense is trying to play keep up with one of the best offenses in the league. Leonard Fournette came in, uh, make one of the brashest statements, I would say, uh, for a running back to make as a rookie coming into the National Football League, saying that the game is is not that physical. The National Football League uh, run defenses aren't that physical, mainly because of what he had to endure uh, playing with LSU out in the SEC, which is to me the equivalent of the National Football League because of how they use their backs, uh, running them more than actually throwing a quarterback. How do you think he fared so far this season after making that bold statement? You know, I, when I heard that, I thought it was a little foolish, too. But, you know, you got to think about um, Leonard Fournette. He's probably been the same size, same kind of athlete since the eighth grade. So he has <laughs> yeah. always been, like, the biggest, strongest, fastest guy anytime he's played. And so he's just now basically at a level where everybody has kind of caught up to him. And so he's like, hey, you know what? This is this is pretty much what I'm used to, and, and it's not any – great thing because he didn't come in as this, you know, timid little back that has to build up strength, and he's already at a big boy speed and size. But I I think the way he came out the gate uh, this year, he really showed, yeah, I should be uh, picked uh, the fourth overall player in the draft. I should be the highly touted, you know, running back coming out in the draft. And he played like that for most of the year, then he started to get a little bit of injuries here and there, his ankle. I still think he's that kind of back, and he showed last week that he's still a physical back, but he's he's been real bothered by some injuries, things here and there. But overall, I still am very happy that we've you know picked him as our running back, that he is our running back, and he's still healthy enough to continue to play because he's really going to be what helps carry this team you know, in this game and hopefully to the Super Bowl if we get that chance. David, we always enjoy chatting with you. Thanks for coming back on the show. As we say goodbye, I'm more of a dog guy, clearly, so I'm not that great on my cat knowledge. I asked the staff to find a Jaguar sound effect. Here's what they came up with. That work for you? exactly what we use in our stadium. Perfect. All right, we've come full circle. Love and it. finally, because I am a grammar guy, let our global audience know the proper pronunciation of your mascot. It's Jaguar like Star Wars, right? Not Jaguar. No, no. no. Some you. people say wire, and, and, and I don't know why, but yeah, it is definitely Jaguar. 
Yeah, those people are wrong. David, we're solving the world's problems. <laughs> Enjoy the game on Love Sunday. It. And coming off a JAG victory, we'll chat with you on the road to the Super Bowl. Awesome. Sounds good, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parcast. Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Earth. Hollywood and Crime by Wondering. We also tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else. Where we ransack America's past. And discover that history is only kind to those who write it. Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Cordell and I tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen during Sunday's conference championship games. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. We'll take the games in order, starting with the AFC Championship game, 3.05 Eastern time on CBS and tune in premium from Gillette Stadium. Tom Brady may or may not have a hand injury. He's not telling. Jaguars number two in total defense. Patriots participating in their seventh consecutive AFC Championship game. Cordell, you've been foreshadowing the pick of an upset. Make it official. Who's winning on Sunday at Foxborough? I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going with a team that's pretty ambitious. They're tenacious. They have, a, I think, a great leader in that organization. And Tom Coughlin, he's not coaching the football team, but the inspiration, I think, that he needs to bring in what this team does need having to play against a team of their caliber. They don't understand what it's like to play in Foxborough. So that won't be anything that will be hovering over their head. As I say all the time, they don't know that they don't know how hard it is to beat a team up there in Foxborough. It's similar to what we saw last year with the Seattle Seahawks. They don't go to Foxborough often. And what happened? They end up putting a smackdown on the New England Patriots, holding Rob, Rob Gronkowski to under 70 yards receiving. So when it's all said and done in the end, I think with what they capable of doing and understanding what they have to do. I think Tom Coughlin lends his collective experience against his quarterback and Tom Brady, and I think it helps lead the charge. And all we need from Blake Bortles, B2, is to not turn the football over because every time he hasn't done that, his team has won this year, including the postseason. They're 10-0 when he does not turn the football over. That's a big key for this football team because of what they're capable of doing on the other side. But you know what? We had a chance to see it against the Steelers in this last game, them being able to put up 45 points in the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think it's going to be a better game than most think. But I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars for the upset. As much as it pains me, because I'm the guy who has picked the Jaguars each and every year dating back to 2013, I have two words for you. Blake Bortles. He's not going to get it done. Brady and the Patriots are going back to the Super Bowl. Vikings at the Eagles. Fox tune in premium, 640 Eastern time. Minnesota number one in total defense. Philadelphia number four in total defense. Case Keenum versus Nick Foles. I know which way you're leaning. Give me a little passion and energy to wrap up the show. I tell you what, man, this defense in Minnesota is good. Um, you have Sandejo, who, uh, who we hear is probably going to be back. Uh, you have Xavier Rhodes on the corner. You have him out there playing. Uh, you have this whole entire defense that I think is phenomenal. You have a guy who's frustrated in Harrison Smith who hadn't gotten to the Pro Bowl. He has something to prove. And last but not least, this offense with his offensive line and his receiving core with Thielen, who's at home, uh, who's playing with his hometown team, and Diggs coming up with a great play in Rudolph, who's been pretty quiet over the past couple weeks. But the guy that's been making the noise, he's just a guy. His name, can I get some sound, please? Can I get a little? <laughs> Case Keenum. He's going to get it done. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings, the purple people leaders. I'm going to blow your mind. I can't pick Nick Foles. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family like 
Story Pirates. This podcast has fleas. Tumble Science for Kids. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we're joined by former NFL safety Nick Ferguson. Nick, I want to pose a question to you. I just asked David Garrard, and we'll draw upon your defensive expertise. We know Jacksonville has an outstanding defense still, very tough to match up against Rob Gronkowski. In the past, we've seen Eric Berry of the Chiefs, Cam Chancellor of the Seahawks have success. How do you think Jacksonville tries to approach Gronk on Sunday? Well, you know, that, you know the Patriots, Josh McDaniels, they're going to move Rob Gronkowski around, so it's going to make it really difficult on the Jacksonville Jaguars to really you know, hide their coverage because uh, teams do that because they want to identify whether you're in man or zone. And I know earlier uh, today, Jalen Ramsey said, well, he's going to do exactly what the Jacksonville Jaguars need for him and the team to be successful. And Rob Gronkowski has never seen a guy the likes of his kind. And I can tell him this, Rob Gronkowski has seen everyone. And everyone's every team that's facing him, they throw all kinds of corners at him, big corners, small corners. It doesn't work because here's what you have to understand, gentlemen. We're talking about Rob Gronkowski. He's not really a speed guy. He's going to beat you vertical, but... When you play basketball, you always talk about boxing guys out. If Tom keeps the ball, you know, very low and, in, and throwing in tight windows, now we're talking about that's the difference between a completion and incompletion, and it's going to be very difficult. So I can see them trying to put Jalen Ramsey on the match up with Robin Gronkowski because, you know, he plays tall, he plays big, but it's like how consistent can he be? But you can also expect some combo coverage from the linebackers to give a little help. Maybe some safety, dropping the safety into the box, a la like the Seattle Seahawks would do to play that Robert coverage, to take away those short dig routes away from Robert Kowski. But if you're focusing your whole game plan around stopping Robert Kowski, I think that that's the wrong game plan when you try to face these New England Patriots because there are other guys on that team that can definitely beat you over the top and beat you with deceptions. And Thomas Pullman, I'll sit in the shotgun make it hard on your defense, get the ball out of my hands real quick, and dink and dunk the ball all the way down the field. So, you know, talk is cheap. We're going to have to see if the Jackson Jaguars can really live up to the expectations and the fact that everyone's been patting them on the back. Nick, let's talk about that Minnesota Vikings team. You and I had a, a very quick conversation after that game <laughs> because every because we both were in disbelief what took place but you mentioned you were going to have to watch uh, three comedy sh- comedy shows or movies to get you over so you could really kind of come down a little bit because of the move that Marcus Williams made on making that tackle on Stephen Diggs tell us the movies you watch and give us a take on on that game and what happens moving forward three-part question I had to watch Friday I had to watch uh, Richard Pryor a stand-up. I even threw in an animated movie uh, trolls to kind of help me calm me down because as a defender, I still don't to this day understand what uh, Williams was thinking on that play. And usually you don't attack a guy, so I'm not going to attack him, but I'm just going to say, well, at that point, understanding situational football, and I have to figure that Dennis Allen and Sean Payton told the guys before they went out on the field what to anticipate with not having that much time on the clock. There was only one place you can go is throw it on the sideline. And I've heard um, individuals who've never played a down in NFL football from guys who've played in the secondary uh, try to offer up excuses saying that maybe he was trying to avoid the penalty. To me, in that position, knowing as though that looking at the bunch formation, looking at the guys on that side, to me, you don't make that mistake, but I don't just blame Marcus Williams. I blame, you know, uh, Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator, and the play call because there's no way you put a bunch formation into the boundary and you have two defenders sitting at five and at 10 yards and no one over this bunch formation, these three wide receivers, to slow them down because if you do that and go back and watch the play, if they had someone over that bunch formation to slow digs down on that route, and that would have given, given the defensive front two more seconds, and they would have gotten to Case Keenum game over. And when I look at the Philly matchup, granted, Minnesota's there. 
but to me, it was pure luck. They call it the Minnesota miracle, whatever they were calling it. It is just that. The Saints did enough to get into that game. They did not. So when I look at the matchup between Minnesota and Philly, I'm going to give the nod to Philly. I know that sounds crazy to some saying, well, there's no Carson Wentz. It's Nick Foles in there at the quarterback position. But watching him playing a speedy linebacker core, the Atlanta Falcons, that told me something about you know, Nick Foles. The more he plays, the more confidence he builds as a quarterback who hasn't played that much this season, and more Frank Wright and Doug Peterson and that defensive group have in Nick Foles. So for me, Philly wins that game. And I like the bold prediction. Let me give you some weather to amplify your view. We just went through weather.com. It's going to be unseasonably warm in Philadelphia on Sunday, about 45 degrees. So the ball can be thrown. Philadelphia doesn't have to be one-dimensional. Just give the rock to Jay Ajayi and LeGarrette Blunt. Nick, let's jump over to the other component of that matchup. How do you see the Vikings offense faring against an underrated nationally, but statistically solid top five defense for Philadelphia, led by Fletcher Cox? You know, let's hear some interesting b We're talking about the Eagles being the number one seed, and for two weeks in a row, they are the underdog at home. Uh, And I know, you know, Coach Jim Schwartz is definitely telling his defense, you know, all year long we've been great against the run. We're the number one seed. That Minnesota's coming in off a miracle play into our place. No one respects us. We don't have our quarterback in Carson Wentz, right? So now we have to go out with our backup quarterback. It's going to be on us to go out there and match play for play Minnesota Vikings defense. And don't get me wrong, the Minnesota Vikings defense has performed well, but all defense have flaws. You look at the fact that they jumped out to a 17 and nothing lead over the New Orleans Saints, only to allow the Saints to get back into the game. And Drew Brees threw those two early interceptions. But what I like to focus on, 294 yards and three touchdowns. There are points and plays to be had against this Minnesota Vikings defense because outside of Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith, who plays great as a safety position, you can attack the other corner, Trey Williams. You can attack Trey, uh, Terrence Newman. Because you look at the Eagles receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, who probably going to get matched up with Xavier Rhodes, so that means Zach Ertz, Nelson Aguilar, and Torrey Smith in the passing game. To me, you just think the weather is going to be warm, so you're going to be able to throw the ball. If Nick Foles can go out and be as efficient as he was against that speedy Falcons front seven, the Philadelphia Eagles win at home. Nick, when you look at the four quarterbacks they have playing in this in this champ- this championship weekend, uh, there's three of them that have no experience going into the postseason, let alone are well-known quarterbacks, if anything, guys who've been somewhat talked down upon over their careers. Obviously so, because they hadn't been good players at all. But are you prepared in, in the National Football League, you think, the, in the fan base, are they prepared to probably see or maybe have a chance to see maybe a, a new sheriff in town in the sense of the guy who's going to be hoisting a Vince Lombardi trophy? Well, you know what, Cordell, that's the great thing about playing this game. It's always the least likely a person that ends up being a hero. And, and we can say the same thing about Tom Brady. It's probably one of the reasons people hate, you know, there's individuals who hate Tom Brady because he goes from being a no-name six-round quarterback who was thought to may not even make the Patriots to now going on and being thrust into that spotlight because Drew Bledsoe gets injured. I played in that game when that actually happened, and he takes that team to the Super Bowl, and he wins, and he's just been winning ever since. So just the idea of saying, well, are people ready for that? Absolutely. People are tired of the Patriots winning championships, and that's what happens in sports. When a team is winning everything, you know, everyone hates them, but I believe the Patriots may be the most hated team in the NFL. So to see maybe uh, Nick Foles, uh, Case Keenum, who – undrafted. There's only been one other quarterback besides Case Keenum to win a Super Bowl, and that was Kurt Warner. So to know to the average Joe, to see a guy that reminds them of themselves with the possibility of hoisting up that Lombardi trophy, I think everyone pretty much wants to see that. But in the end, I still think it's going to be two teams. And those two teams are going to be the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots. Nick, putting it on a tee for us. Nothing bashful there. He has called his shot. Enjoy the games on Sunday. Will you and Cornell be texting throughout the conference title games? Well, if something happens either negative or positive with Case Keenum, 
Of course, I'm going to call Cordell. <laughs> and of course, that text come from him. You know, it'd be more like, did you see that? You know, I don't respond. I just sit there and just watch it and wait till it happens. But I really, it was a phone call. And it's after he, the ball was caught and, and we saw Stephen Diggs going in the end zone. The first conversation <laughs> was, can you believe what we just saw? Are you kidding me? I mean, that was the first 30 seconds of conversation literally between the both of us because I think that was something that caught everyone off guard. Brian, you probably were in your only chair you have in your, your, your apartment and kicking your feet in the air because you're like, I'm so sick and tired of Case Keenum because it's about Case Keenum. I know you're just, it's just okay. It's okay. Thank it's you. okay. That's the what we phone wasn't working in my one-bedroom apartment, so I couldn't call you guys. <laughs> Nick, have a great weekend. We'll chat with you next week. All right, talk to you guys next week. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by Parcast. Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Earth. Hollywood and Crime by Wondering. We also tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else. Where we ransack America's past and discover that history is only kind to those who write it. Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Let's welcome in Eric Edholm of Pro Football Weekly. Eric, thanks for taking the time. Are you buying the notion the Jags could have an advantage given Tom Coughlin's head-to-head history with Bill Belichick, or is that more of a media narrative? Yeah, well, he certainly has been the uh, the kryptonite in the past for New England, but yeah, and, and I'm sure Doug Barone will, will you know use Tom's knowledge on what's worked against Brady and Belichick in the past, and you know and they've gotten him a few times too over the years. But obviously, it's history going back to the New York Giants coaching staff all those years ago. It can't hurt, right? I mean, it's it's at least a resource. But what happened, you know, 12 years ago, 11 years ago. Probably has no bearing on what happened. Uh, what happened Sunday? I, I suspect that that it may not be more than a point or two uh, in in terms of preparation. And once the game kicks off, I don't know how much of an advantage it really is. Eric, when you look at this AFC Championship game, what will weigh out the most? Will it be uh, the 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 pressures of playing in the AFC Championship game, or will it be mainly the the stats in which we've seen this Jacksonville Jaguars defense put up when it came to turnovers and actually being able to to, to get touchdowns and how well this offense, uh, when it comes to the running game, has produced? Yeah, I'm I'm so fascinated to see how this Jaguars team rolls into this game because they've been so confident all year long, and you know they I don't want to say they're immune to pressure. I don't think any team is, you know, but the way that they are boastful and can back it up most of the times, and, and especially on that defensive side of the ball, but also the force with which they play offensively, running the football, and you know, outnumbering you at the point of attack and all that stuff. I, I feel like they're going to come in feeling like they have a great chance to win. And, and hey, I don't think they're buying into this Tom Brady hand injury. I'm sure they think it's real, but they know they're going to get Brady at his most focus. So. It's really going to be about them more than anything else. So this dominant defense has, has put up some, some great performances. They've also had last week when they allowed 42 points and 545 yards. So I think they know that they can win any kind of game, but they also have to sharpen up a little after uh, getting undressed a little bit in, in Pittsburgh. Eric Ed on Pro Football Weekly is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Let's dig deeper into the future of the Patriots, irrespective of what happens on Sunday, with Matt Patricia and Josh McCown expected to take head coaching jobs. Eric, what kind of impact do you think that would have on the Patriots next season? Yeah, I think they've been planning for this for a while, and I think it was almost a surprise to some people that McDaniels didn't take a job last year. You know, he had some opportunities. People wanted to interview him. He passed. I think he felt like, hey, we're going to have an even better team next year. We're going to get Gronk back. We've got Brady still playing at a high level. Uh, And that was a smart move. They're in this position again. It's unbelievable. But I think Bell has known for a while that Josh McDaniels could leave at any point. There had been some chatter this season, even even mid-season, that maybe Matt Patricia would be the successor to Bill Belichick in New England. But other teams, you know, clearly know about his value, too. And it's no surprise that Bob Quinn, a former Patriots front office guy, now running the show in Detroit, 
would want to get him uh, on board there. So I think the contingency plans are going to be Chad O'Shea calling plays, you know, somebody who's been in the system now for about a decade. He's the wide receiver coach. I think he's well-respected on staff. And if Brian Flores, who's the linebacker coach, doesn't take the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job or doesn't get offered it, I, you know, he's the guy. But then what do you do if he's, if he's gone? You have three assistants gone from the staff. Now, it's never happened before, uh, taking head coaching jobs anyway. I wouldn't be shocked if they put in a call to Greg Schiano in Ohio State. I think that could be a name that we have to keep in mind. I wrote about it last week. So they may have to go outside the family whereas they usually produce a lot of homegrown coaching talent in the past. We understand Tom Brady has an injured hand and, and mainly his thumb and sound like there's stitches on top of it. Say something happens to Tom, Tom Brady because his defense is getting at him pretty good. Do you think the staff, or have you heard about this staff having a tremendous amount of confidence in Brian Hoyer being able to come in and save the day? Well, <laughs> it's hard to say they have the same confidence they do Brady, obviously. <laughs> Plus, it's Brian Hoyer, Eric, right? The same guy who had four interceptions yeah. in a playoff game for the Texans a few years ago. I, I was at that game. I remember it quite well, yeah. Um, I think they, are, they feel good about Brian's ability to pick up a system quickly. He's been there since, what, November 2nd or something like that. So I'm sure a lot of the, the language is the same when he was there the first time around, that, that Super Bowl season when they lost to the Giants the second time. But, yeah, obviously it's, it's a lot on his plate. I mean, I just don't know. It, you're already limited because of what Jacksonville's corners can do to you and what that pass rush can do to you. Now you take away Tom Brady. I mean, unless Gronk is just winning every single matchup, I don't know that they could win if, if Brady somehow got knocked out of the game. I really, I really think that would be – then we'd look at that Jimmy Garoppolo trade one more time and say, wow, how much of an effect did this have? Taking you across the league with Eric Ed on Pro Football Weekly. Eric, if the Vikings decide to give Case Keenum real money and opt to keep Teddy Bridgewater as the backup – what do you think the limited free agent market for Sam Bradford would look like considering all of his injuries? Yeah, I think a team like Arizona, which obviously Carson Palmer has gone into retirement, and you know the other guys they have there I don't necessarily believe are going to be options. You know, Stanton Gabbard, Barkley, those guys. I think that's the kind of landing spot you would look to. Um, you know, maybe the New York Jets, if they're wanting some veteran stability, if they don't feel like there's an option for them in the draft, or – if they feel like whoever they draft is still going to be a little of a bit of a project, you know, more of a year two or three guy. Yeah. Then, then somebody like that makes some sense. I mean, Sam Bradford has made quite a bit of coin in his NFL career. He, I believe he's the last uh, big money, number one overall pick like the bonuses used to be, but you know, so I don't know that he's going to be so demanding on his price. And I think he realizes there may not be, you know, more than a couple teams who are really viewing him as a, as a starter. So it's tough. I think he'll go. I think he's the most likely of the three to end up elsewhere next year, but then Bridgewater becomes the mystery man. I mean, will he have options? Does he want to stay in Minnesota and fight for his job? There are people there who love him, but he's also got to prove some stuff too. I think. Eric, when you look at this game with, with Philadelphia and Minnesota, uh, this would be the second consecutive week uh, where the home team and, and the number one seed team uh, is, is, is going into the game uh, the one to lose. Uh, but does that really matter because you're, you're playing against a team that actually wants to have the opportunity to be the first team in the history of the game to actually put the Super Bowl in their city? Does, so you do, do you think it balances out when it comes to the disrespect for both sides uh, in a sense of what they're trying to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously that, that storyline is going to be something else that happens. And just, you know, what, what's going to happen to the Super Bowl ticket market and how is that going to affect, uh, you know, the, the atmosphere around the game? It's going to be something to keep an eye on. But we're not there yet, as you pointed out. And, and this Eagles team has felt like, hey, wait a minute, we were in the pole position much of the season. Yes, we lost our starting quarterback, but we had other reasons that got us here. And they survived a pretty – Pretty bad first half against the Falcons. I think they were lucky to be down 10-9 at halftime. They didn't play like a team that was down one point. Um, so I think they feel, on the one hand, disrespected by everybody, making them underdogs at home and all that, number one seed. But on the same uh, side of things, I think Doug Peterson could say, guys, if we play anywhere near as poorly as we did in the first half, especially in the first half last week, and we don't finish drives, you know, two great drives in the second half, six points. I mean, that's, that's, they still left something out there on the field. 
they know they have a lot of work to do, too. So they can do the kind of whole, hey, look, we're lucky to be here, too. So let's look at it from that perspective as well. It's going to be interesting to see, does this team come out fired up, ready to go from the first snap? They didn't appear to be that way last week. They just sort of seemed you know, hesitant. You know, the fumble early, just the mistakes, the mental mistakes were, were plentiful last week. Eric, looking for the spectrum of opinion from our guests. Who do you like in each game on Sunday? I have a feeling I'm not going against what other people have picked here. And I, I, I just feel like it may be predictable. It may be chalk, but the Vikings Patriots thing seems, seems pretty, I could feel pretty comfortable of making those picks. Could Jacksonville win? Absolutely. You know, I could see a lot of paths to victory. I could see the Eagles defending their home turf and that defense stepping up and the run game contributing and Nick Foles playing like he did in the second half. But I also just feel a little bit better about the, the completeness of both the Vikings and the Patriots as far as the team makeup. I just think they're just slightly better teams on both sides. I'm with you also. I think it'd be the most compelling matchup given Brady going after his sixth ring in the special nature of the Vikings making history playing the Super Bowl at home. Eric, as always, we appreciate the analysis. Enjoy the games, and thanks for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. It's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. What better way to celebrate the new year than taking a look back at the best podcasts of 2017? From news and politics to true crime, comedy, and history favorites, we've rounded up our favorites and there's something for everyone. Shows included Dirty John, S-Town, My Favorite Murder, Homecoming, Pod Save America. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's focus on the Pro Bowl with Peter O'Reilly, the NFL Senior Vice President of Events. Peter, how are you? Doing well, Brian. How are you? Thanks for uh, thanks for having me again. We are always pleased when you have the time to join us. And let's start with what stood out from a year ago. What were your biggest takeaways from year one in Orlando? Uh, to me, it was, you know, obviously Hawaii had been, been terrific and a great host. But in going to Orlando, it just became so youthful and fan-friendly. We turned it into a week-long celebration. The players had a great time because they were able to go to Disney, um, go to Universal, spend time with their families throughout the week. And then really at ESPN Wild World of Sports, we created this kind of football wonderland. There was youth football championships going on, Pro Bowl practices, all free for fans to come in and experience. And then ended with, uh, with a great game on the field. So for us, it was trying to create this major celebration of football at the end of the year and certainly celebrating 88 of the best players in our game. So we're back for year two um, and excited for that. And I know uh, the guys headed down there next week are as well. Peter, when it comes down to the game on the field, the format of it all, I think you started out with Jerry Rice and Michael Irvin as the coaches uh, on both those teams when it came down to allowing former players to be a part of it. And then the Jerome Bettises and the Ray Lewis end up coming around. I think it was last year. But give me your take on how you've taken players from the same team and, and, and actually end up spreading them out to be on the opposite side. Uh, are you guys going to be any more creative than that when it comes down to the format of everything? Yeah, I mean, Cordell, last year we went back to the traditional AFC-NFC format, and that was the based on fan and player feedback. I think keeping that format, moving away from the, the what we did with the draft um, and adding in in the replacement of the draft, something that was really successful, that Pro Bowl skills showdown, so allowing – players to showcase their skills. You know, you saw that last year ending with the the epic dodgeball game between the AFC and the NFC. So I think that element, which will come back this year with some new twist to it, uh, including a kicker component where they're going to be playing kick-tack-toe, trying to uh, kick it in certain spots there, um, and then pay it off in the game. And, like, you know, to your point on bringing back the Legends captains, even in the AFC-NFC format, we've got incredible captains coming back this year. On the NFC side, Warwick Dunn and Derek Brooks, um, you know, not too far from where they played in Tampa, will be uh, on the NFC side. And then Jason Taylor and LaDainian Tomlinson on the AFC side. So uh, four incredible players, but but four incredible men who will be, um, who have been to a lot of Pro Bowls themselves and be a part of, uh, 
getting the, the current guys excited to play. So a lot, a lot of good elements in place. Yeah, and you said for the Pro Bowl with Peter O'Reilly, the league senior vice president of events. Peter, last year we talked a lot about youth sports, what's involved with that component again this year, and how about the Madden Club Championship that will be taking place? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, kind of uh, you got the, the run-up to the Super Bowl and you got a year-long build-up to, to be the Madden champion. And every team across the country, every one of our clubs has hosted Madden events uh, throughout the year. And then the winners of those events throughout the year are all going to the Pro Bowl uh, and competing in the Madden Club Championships there. So that, again, will be taking place live at Wide World of Sports during the week, uh, the Friday and, and Saturday leading up to the game. So not only do you have, you know, on-field Pro Bowl practices, the championships for flag football going on, but you got simultaneously Madden championships going on and, and fans where Madden fans can tune in and watch that as well uh, and follow along uh, the gaming side of things. When you look at a lot of coaches, former coaches for some of these players and uh, that they've actually had coached them in Little League that came. You know, you see any, any let's see, headline-type stories like that you guys plan on doing this year for us, bringing someone back or getting people inclusive in it, like, you know, young kids, anything we need to get aware, be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. That's a – I'd say that they're, they're going to be more youth and high school coaches in one place next week in Orlando than has probably ever happened in the history of the game because USA football is holding their national conference down there. So 1,100 high school or youth uh, coaches or administrators will be all in town. And then each, we did this last year and are building on it. Each of the 88 Pro Bowl players has the option of inviting their high school or youth football coach back, you know, maybe a position coach from high school if they brought their head coach last year, um, and be part of the celebration all week, honored on the field. Um, and then the really nice element is, the, winning, the players on the winning team, if, say, the AFC wins, each player in that team uh, gets a grant to go back to support their high school or youth program. Um, so it all, all ties in. Um, in addition, each team, NFL team, has chosen a Don Shula High School Coach of the Year in their market. All 32 of those high school coaches are doing incredible work will be in Orlando, uh, and then the winner of that award will be announced down in Orlando. So this is about the roots of our game and going back to the, the people who helped uh, make these pro bowlers the, the players and men they are today. Chatting with Peter O'Reilly, the league senior vice president of events. Peter, what will the military outreach be like next week? I know there's going to be a flag football game for wounded warriors. That sounds very inspirational. Yeah, we've been, um, you know, every major event we, we hold, there's a large um, military outreach component, and that's no no different in Orlando tied to our salute to service initiative. So that Wounded Warrior Flag football game is an incredible event um, with these with these great heroes out in the field who, who love our game and we love the, you know, how they served our country. So that'll be a part of it. We'll have a large group of uh, both current and, uh, and veteran uh, veterans attending the game as well. So that's that's a, a huge part of the week um, and it'll be special. And I know the Pro Bowl players love interacting and, and uh, honoring those those men and women. How many players do you think will probably bring, in, in, in comparison to Hawaii, when these guys bring their family members, I think some, like Michael Irvin, may have brought almost the entire family. Do you think probably <laughs> per player you may had may have had maybe what on average – five plus people coming uh, to have to facilitate when it comes down to somewhere to stay? Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, I think we saw last year that, again, the guys loved going back out to Hawaii, as you know, but in Orlando, there's an opportunity to get that many more players. Obviously a lot of guys are, have family in the, in the Florida area, but even it's just an easier trip to get um, additional family members down to Orlando. So, we are prepared for and then already working with all of the players on making sure they have a big family contingent down there who can be with them celebrating the great year that they have, join them at Disney and at Universal. Um, so I think you're right. We expect big numbers, Cordell, for sure. And, and that's great. Peter, an incredibly busy time for you and your team with the Super Bowl coming up and you're in Minnesota today. What adjustments in planning have been made for the big game considering the weather in Minnesota? Yeah, we are, uh, you know, the, the good part about Minnesota is this city and this state knows how to handle weather. Um, so they are, they're prepared. We've got lots of contingencies in place. Um, so, you know, certainly focused on it, but not worried about it in terms of, 
you know, anybody who is coming to, to Minneapolis for the Super Bowl, just our advice is, you know, uh, bring the hat, bring the gloves, bring the layers. Um, and the, the theme of this Super Bowl is the bold north. It's about embracing the bold north. So there'll be uh, outdoor activities and, and that'll be on display and just be ready for that. Um, but it'll be it'll be great. We're uh, we're excited for sure. I guess it's okay to call it the North Bowl, right? Because uh, it's going to be so cold. And, and, and looking at my dark sky app on my phone, um, I see a lot of temperatures in the minus category, and not single digits, sometimes double digits. Will that impede some of the activities uh, that you may have set up uh, to be, you know, in those awkward situations, similar to how Detroit was? I know you guys did a phenomenal job, but how would that hinder uh, some of these events to actually happen? Yeah, I mean, I think we were prepared for that scenario. Um, obviously, you know, need everybody to to be smart about how much exposure um, they have to the to the elements. But we are, um, for example, Super Bowl Live, which is our free fan event for ten days in downtown Minneapolis. That's that's mostly outdoors, and it's going to celebrate the bold north. And you're going to see dog sleds and tubing and, and uh, snowmobile jumping and um, make it, you know, make it great. You know, they're opening just a fun, quirky thing. Super Bowl Live is going to open Friday, January 26th. We've got an ice mountain stage there. Adina Menzel is going to sing Let It Go from Frozen, and uh, we're going to lean into the bold <laughs> north. So um, we're all in on that. Um, but obviously people should be safe um, and, and, and take precautions. On game day in U.S. Bank Stadium, it'll be uh, it'll be a perfect 72 degrees in that gorgeous new stadium. Peter, let's wrap it up with a quick thought on the logistics for NFL honors this year, because my man Cordell has dominated on the red carpet in years past. <laughs> Cordell is always looking sharp, so we will uh, we'll make sure he gets his time there as well. So NFL honors, as, as people know, is our is our award show on the night before Super Bowl. Um, that's going to be taking place at the Northrop Auditorium, uh, right on the campus of the University of Minnesota, beautiful theater and uh, where we'll announce the MVP, all of the AP honors, um, and then have the special moment of announcing the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. And uh, what's neat about that is we've invited back all of the uh, former Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year to be with us, not only at NFL honors, but for a special moment on field prior to the Super Bowl, similar to what we did with the Super Bowl MVPs at Super Bowl 50. So that'll be a special moment when that, uh, Walter Payton, Man of the Year, at honors, joins that uh, that special fraternity. But that red carpet will, will be ready for you, Cordell. My man, always styling and profiling. Peter, as always, a pleasure. Anytime you're on the program, have a great weekend. Look forward to seeing you in person when we get to Minnesota. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.